0: Hey everyone, if you ever wished you could highlight podcast kindle style and share specific moments You can now do it using the clever.fm app You can filter episodes by tags, transcribe episodes live And even click
1: on links to things like books, articles and definitions as you listen along
0: Download the app on iOS or Android by going to clever.fm Listen to Pops in a Pod for a completely enhanced experience Pops in a pod. Pops in a pod.
1: Welcome to Pops in a Pod. Peter Pop here. And I am Nadir Pop. We're back with part two of The Science of Dads with Dr. Rakesh Kapoor.
0: Dr. Rakesh Kapoor, a management consultant and the director of NGO Bamboo Tree spoke to us about the research they have done with dads specifically. He shared with us the biological changes that happen in a man's body while his wife is pregnant and men also get morning sickness. That was very intriguing, wasn't it, Peter?
1: Yeah, honestly, I was really surprised when I heard that. But in addition to that, Dr. Rakesh also spoke about the importance of a father in raising a child and you know what was also interesting is we actually found out why there was not much research on dads available prior to this
0: do check out part one of the science of dads if you haven't already trust me it will open up a whole new box on parenting for you guys
1: and now here's part two of our chat with dr rakesh kapoor
0: So, you know, Doc, it's very interesting that you brought it up because um, we wanted to kind of understand, not just from a scientific standpoint on on fatherhood or being a dad, but today, people like you and, you know, Peter and I are exposed to so much information. Books, obviously Google, there's so many things happening. Uh, and, And this is something that we've noticed that because we read so many things and so much information on parenting and children and otherwise relationships so on and so forth. At at some point, either it triggers us, or we just read it and we are like, okay, to, you know, to each his own whatever that they do, let, let them kind of sort of manage that. On a slightly more larger scale, have you seen changes taking place where father is playing a very, very active role?
2: Definitely. I mean, You know, one of the things which is true about India is that uh, it starts off very late, but it catches up very fast. You know, so that's what we have actually been able to see. So what I mean by that is that the involvement of fathers in the other countries started much quicker, but Indians have taken on to that role in a very fast way so there is this amazing uh, lady called dr raj lakshmi from Bar- baroda university she's done some amazing research on indian fathers and um, she's done some amazing research on especially fathers where you know the uh, in the armed forces you know because they are living separately also right and they sometimes have those fam- uh, non family postings and things like that so one of the things let me put it across what data shows us and what observation you know data and observations are two very different uh, this thing observation can still go into some anecdotal thing data cannot data is you know sacrosanct so what we are seeing one is that of course the attendance in school pts has gone up significantly so in early 2000s or late 1990s about 10% of the fathers used to attend it right now it is approximately 40% of the fathers are attending it in urban metros almost 80% are attending school activities which is which is happening right the average amount of time that the fathers spend with their children so that is coming from our own research which we have done um, you know which is available uh, on our channel and everywhere so what we are finding is indian fathers on an average spend between 64 to 70 hours per month with their children right now but the good part is almost 50% of the fathers are spending more than 80 hours with their children right now which compares extremely well with western countries in the us because in us the average is anywhere between 80 and 120 depending on which country and state that you go to 80 to 120 hours uh, per month right uh so those we're seeing for that's what data actually tells us. But one of the very interesting things, other things which we are seeing is, see, there are six roles that both Dr. Raj Lakshmi has absolutely defined, which are very beautifully defined roles, right? So you know things like being a provider, being a nurturer, being a you know a provider nurturer, then you know a communicator and a guide and a mentor, right? Having shared activities. You know, these are all academic terms. So you are having shared activities of taking the children out for a movie or things like that, right? So there are six such roles which are there. The only place where we feel that the fathers sometimes in India specifically are doing much less work is the practical everyday care, right? Which is to say, but that also, so we are seeing now 95% of the fathers in India data shows is, has changed the diapers and the. You know, the nappies of the children, right? More than 35 to 40% of the fathers cook meals for their children all across India, right? And one of the things which came from this uh, amazing study of Flipkart, right? So they came up with the Penguin Dad study, which is available online. So what they said was that almost 50% of the fathers that they surveyed, this was, of course, urban metro cities. 50% of the fathers wanted to be stay-at-home dads. The question or the problem that comes to is how would you rate, how would you as a society allow them to be? How would you look at a father who is a stay-at-home dad? Right? Is that somebody whom you would, for lack of better word, respect as much or do you feel no, there is an issue here? Yeah, it's
1: true. I mean, I and this is kind of interesting, right? Because uh, one of our guests that we had in June was a stay at home dad. And he made that transition kind of seamlessly because he also was running his own business. But just to kind of recap that story, while you were talking about, you know, what society and what everyone else would think, his own mother was like, can you manage it and he said he so well said that she wasn't concerned about me, she was more concerned about the children because he was gonna have twins. So it's it's kind of interesting and you know we've been talking like when we started off the podcast, we always wanted to talk about you know to a stay-at-home dad. I remember the campaign by Flipkart in there and uh, then comes March 2020 and everyone's a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> then. Obviously, social media took over and everyone started posting pictures. And I saw that over the last 18 months, right? Because initially, you know, your work and your house were two very distinct things. For the first time, they kind of collided. And through Zoom calls or Google Meet calls, whatever you were doing, you actually had a peek into people's personal lives. Which a lot of people were not not comfortable with, but it's reached a stage where now you know my son will come into a, a Zoom call and say hi to everyone, and it's perfectly fine because they understand that's just how things are. Uh, tell me about what it's like for in terms of if you've seen both you know uh, observational data or just like statistics, right? And now and I can chime in with our experiences. When well, you talked about you know your parent teacher meetings where dads are involved you talked about this as a society how is that being accepted right because this one thing is the willingness for the dad to be involved in the activities but and i'm there's no other way to put it out there right is other other mothers or other people in the parent teacher meetings associations and all are they willing to accept more involved dads
2: yeah, no, that's 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 one of the obvious issues which we I uh, which we call to barriers to fathering, you know. So what we really s- are seeing is that fathers wish to be part of it, uh, they want to be, so they walk in, but they feel extremely unwelcome in a very large percentage of schools. So what a lot of fathers are uh, relating their experience. So I remember one of the, uh, when we were doing some command of research on this, um, as speaking as interviewing about hundreds of fathers on this. So one of them uh, clearly stated that, you know, he walked in for the first time, uh, you know, I think his child was about six or seven, right? And into the parent teacher meeting, went and stood, uh, sat down in front of the teacher with the child. And all the teacher asked him was, where is the mother? right? Now, I mean, the guy was absolutely taken aback by simply saying, I'm here, right? Talk to me about whatever uh, this thing is. But there is this huge, uh, you know, there is this discomfort because you wouldn't even know about what's happening. Unfortunately, what we are seeing is a non, uh, you know, so what we are seeing, and that's what, Again, that's not a very hard-coded data, but we are seeing that at least about 60% of parents, uh, fathers are highly involved in teaching and extracurricular activities of the child, right? But the teachers are not accepting the fact they will always tend to. So let's say even if you walk in with your wife to the school, where do you see the, uh, the teacher? Who is she looking at while she's talking? Is she looking at the mother or is she looking at you as a father, right? So there are these huge challenges, you know, so like I call it, um, you know, just the way women complain a lot about glass ceiling in the corporate world. Um, There is a huge glass ceiling for uh, men in the parenting world.
0: Yeah, you know, Doc, I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up because this is, this is, um, and I, I'd like to share my experience also because I'm one of those lads who's completely involved in my, my daughter's education um, to the extent that even if she has to take whatever extra classes, you know, if she's free, she wants to do something, um, I'm I'm sort of there. My wife will help find out what these classes are and we'll discuss and, you know, we'll come to the conclusion then that, okay, I think this is the, the appropriate Uh, class that she can go to but I'm sitting there not because I'm fulfilling my parental duties because I enjoy it I enjoy sitting with my daughter seeing how she absorbs all that information right like how she's adding numbers how she's figuring out with her tiny fingers how to count and and that's just a very enjoyable experience like I have cancelled meetings just so that I can sit with her and see what she does because it's just very fascinating that I have a little human being, a little person in the house as opposed to a little child. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting to witness, you know, how she's growing, how she's absorbing simple, basic information that she will require in the world, you know, in, in her life. But coming back Mother, to... sorry,
2: may I, may, may I just interrupt you there and ask you a very quick question. Since both of yes, you are involved fathers, uh, when, your ch- when you took your child to nursery, right, for the first day at school, did you, did you see your child um, rebel? Did you see your child say, No, I don't want to go. I want to go back home. Tell me your experience.
0: Yeah, my, my daughter cried. She cried a lot when... Because I think she felt abandoned. I, I think she felt <laughs> really abandoned that... Oh, we are, and, and what happened was that because we were dropping her at a play group, right? And we went to somebody else's house for that. She felt that, okay, this is not a professional setup. This looks like somebody's house. Are they like yeah. parceling me off? <laughs> and this really sweet Parsi auntie and you know, taking care of other kids and all of that. And she was just bawling and bawling and I was like, it's okay, it's okay, we'll come back, we'll come. And I just ran down the stairs. So yeah. Peter, it... did that happen to you? No, because
2: I'm going to... Oh, yeah. uh, obviously, there is a reason I'm asking you that question, right? So yeah. yeah. No, the same. Yeah. I think like there are two parts to it also,
1: right? Because uh, my son went to a playgroup uh, nursery for the entire time, I think, in age two or so. And it was a struggle, like that first, like, I would say, couple of months, they say that, you know, it takes two weeks, three weeks, we had to kind of slowly ease him into it, then he got so used to it. And then COVID happened, right. And I still remember, like, this was people were just starting to use Zoom, And I'll never forget this, because it traumatized both my wife and me. Uh, We put on the zoom call and we were like, Hey, you know, these are your teachers, these are your friends. And he saw them and he just like broke down and he ran away. And I'll never forget, he said that, you know, you're sending me away, I don't want to leave mommy and daddy. And we were like, no, we're not sending you away. But then, you know, we now understood like many months later that he saw them so he thought that he's going to be apart from us and that was really unsettling right because you think that you know your child is in his place he really enjoys but just that like month month and a half that he spent bonding with us he didn't want to leave us
0: i i also feel dr kapoor that uh, uh, that the kids feel that the parents are going to be around for life and i think human species is the only species that sort of nurtures a child to a certain age and so on and so forth right I mean I'm sorry I I might not be able to articulate my wealth in scientific terms but I feel maybe that's one thing and and what what I have inferred from that is that the child feels that, mummy, papa, and ham, sab cheez saath saath mein right?" That because so I, I feel even school they must be like, "How come? Where is your bag? Why are you not sitting?" And then suddenly it's just turning away and going right. Like, "Hey, what the hell? You can't do that. You also have to sit here in school." So I feel th- there's that some some wiring or something that that it comes from somewhere. Now I think w- what an amazing
2: experiences you guys are sharing. So let me just. Uh, So one of the ways that we measure, you know, so we've been able to in pop science and that's how I say it in pop science, not in academia, right? Would be how we measure. So how the father's involvement impacts the IQ, EQ, SQ and life expectancy of the child, right? IQ being intelligence quotient, EQ being emotional quotient, SQ, social quotient and life expectancy, right? So one of the ways that we measure EQ is the school readiness of the child at the age of 3 or 4 right because that is what is the executive functions of the brain look like right because see for a child to be able to attend school means he or she should be able to sit in the class for about you know 30 45 minutes quietly right listen to instructions absorb that information ask questions it's then that the child becomes involved and what is we are seeing you know across the world is children who have fathers involved have much higher eq that is much better school readiness at the age of 4 they tend to cry much lesser they tend to because you know like somebody uh, one of the things again which brings me to you know we keep shifting between topics but i think that's all right uh, is what it brings me to is, you know, so one of the persons uh, quoted it beautifully. One of the child, she was about nine or 10, and they asked her, what is the difference between the mother and the father? She says, uh, when I'm playing a game and I get hurt, my mother is great at comforting me, right? But my father is who gets me back in the game. Are you are you seeing? So that's yes, the huge yes. Difference, uh, you know, that, that we are seeing uh, happening across uh, this thing, so that's again what research has been able to show that school readiness is one of the major executive functions that we measure for children and their ability to do that. But you said it, I think, very beautifully when you said, uh, in which other race is uh. You know, for one third or one fourth of the child's life, that is almost 18, there is no goddamn animal on this planet who takes care of the children for one third or one fourth of their life 30%, right? So, but there is a very, very severe reason, scientific reason for that. And that is the reason which has uh, caused us to dominate over planet Earth. So evolutionary biologists will tell you that one of the major reasons we dominate over planet Earth is because we practice dual parenthood. And only 5% of the mammals in the animal kingdom practice dual parenthood. 95% they don't have invested fathers, only the mother takes care of it. But let's see if you guys can take a wild guess why that is. Because that's a very interesting story. I, I have a feeling you and your viewers may love it.
1: Wow. (laughs) This this is something I didn't expect on this episode. But uh, okay, this is a shot in the dark. But I guess it has to do just with the overall development. right? So whether it is mental, physical in there, uh, one parent wouldn't be enough. And I mean, of course, like, there is a debate to be had of the evolutionary process and things like that. But if, if we're just kind of keeping all things equal, I would say, uh, that's one of the things about human babies, right? That you need like two to kind of bring the child up. Nadir? I uh, I,
0: I don't know. I, I think I would like to go with the, the gender role aspect where um, um, the female has um, a, a set of, I don't know, sorry, lack of a better term, but set of duties and the male has a certain set of duties. And I think both those experiences have to be ingrained into the child irrespective of their gender so maybe that's one way of looking at it like the whole hunter-gatherer thing you know men go and hunt women go and provide stuff like that i don't know.
2: now i think that's brilliantly said both of you were very much uh, you know without the scientific i think both of you were amazingly bang on to the uh, this thing Though, you know um i would uh, not me but science disagrees with, with what nadir said there are no defined roles Okay, there is a certain amount of this thing, but uh, there is f- huge amount of flexibility. But the reason is this, right? And this is something an interesting story. So one of the things I look at it is, you know, one of the famous statements that I appear tall because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants who came before me, right? That's one of the, now, which is the most important truth of why humans dominate? Because we are the only species which is able to build upon previous generations' knowledge base and build upon it and move ahead, right? Which brings us to the fact that when a child is born, a human child is born, I'm sorry to say this and I love them, but they are the most useless things on this planet. They can't even hold their heads still, (laughs) <laughs> right, They can't even hold their heads still, right? Now, that is not true for any other mammal or any other animal, right? In fact, we have a gestation period, what we call, um, you know, for nine months, the pregnancy that is there, right? For human children to be as developed as, let's say, a chimpanzee's children, the gestation period would have had to be 18 to 21 months, right? For the human brain to be developed because what differentiates us is the human brain, which is the ratio of human uh, brain weight to the body weight is probably the best in humans. It is one is to 40. Let's say for dogs, it is one is to 125, one, one, one For horses, it is one is to 600, right? So now try and imagine. So now comes the interesting part, which is to say, now try and imagine getting that sized brain out of the birth canal or the vagina. How big will the birth canal or the vagina have to be to get uh, even a 700 gram weight out? right? So the nature had only two choices at the end of the day. What it could do was either increase the size of the birth canal or provide two parents so as to take care of the child. right? Either increase the size of the birth canal so that the child can come out or have two parents who can take care of the child for a longer period. The moment that nature would increase the size of the birth canal or the pelvis, right? you can't walk on two legs. You'll have to be four-legged creatures like because the weight of that pelvis cannot be taken care of by the legs which are there. right? But one of the most beautiful things that we simply state is nature, God, whatever name you want to call it, hates redundancy. Why create two copies of the same thing? Therefore, the two parents that they created were extremely different. So, one of the other things that I will ask you now, you know, after this monologue, would be to ask you a question. Do you notice any difference between the way you talk to your children versus how your wife talks to uh, the child?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, I think there are multiple reasons. For that also, right? I mean, it's and I keep bringing back the fact that you see your parents' parenting styles, right? So very unconsciously you reflect uh, on that, and I've noticed that with me, right? Like you very unconsciously, it's something maybe you hated about your parents, but it's something that you know those taunting lines that they said to you and all whether you like it or not, it's so like ingrained in you that you'll say it. So that tends to happen. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's, it is very distinct and, you know, the, the way I look at it is that my wife and I have very different personalities, There's very different styles of, you know, the way we function and do things. So they're very differently when it comes to our parenting styles also.
0: So in, in my case, it's, it's a little more. Again we are very planned parents so for us to really uh, you know um, agree on a certain aspect of parenting whatever it is whether it's um, uh, chastising uh, our child for doing something wrong or whatever it is there are certain rules right so um, my my wife um, can be pretty tough um, if the if the daughter is doing something wrong right. And I also have to maintain that tone because both of us, we, we've realized that we can't be the, the good parent and the bad parent, we don't want to play that role, right? I, I can't be the fun parent, like every time she gets yelled at by the, the mother, she comes running to me. And I, I think that's very unfair to my wife as well. So we have decided very clearly that if she's done something wrong, she needs to know from both the parents that she's done something wrong. But I think predominantly, I'm the softer parent you know because I, I i think naturally only it just comes to me and says okay it's okay it's it's fine and then you know, as soon as i see my parents like and i'm like why did you do that why would you do that and, but so it, it happens it 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 happens and she tends to sort of oscillate towards me when there's a problem but she knows she gets it she gets it from me and my wife both because that's how we've we've sort of trained ourselves that this is how we're going to parent uh, our child very interesting.
2: Um... You know, I would love uh, for you to now go
0: back, whenever
2: uh, you know, go back into your lives and look at the language that you use, right? So, one of the things that we see is, uh, and this is again experiments which have happened all across the world. And this is, you know, surprisingly universal across all cultures. You know, it holds true whether you are in Africa, Australia, or, you know, Russia for that matter, right? that the mothers tend to use a lot more of baby talk while talking to their children right so they would use you know the words the infamous words of sona how are you doing "Shwito," things like that a lot more right while fathers till one year only when the child is one year they use this baby talk after that they shift to a much more adult and a mature talk which is they ask a lot more of who, why, how, those kind of questions, right? Now, what the scientists have been able to find is that since the fathers tend to do that, their children are motivated, activated, or challenged to respond back to fathers in their language and a more engaging context, which helps in very significant development of language skills in children or communication skills in children, a very, very high level of this thing, which is why they have found that children with invested fathers tend to have a much higher social quotient. They tend to have far more number of friends. They tend to be a little more um, available with with other uh, uh, their peer group, right? So they tend to be a little more. So that's one of the other things that they 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 found, but very interestingly, what Nadir said. So, how do you play with your children? Is there a difference in the way you and uh, your wife play with children differently?
1: Oh yeah, I mean that's one thing I started realizing uh, last year, right? Uh, when we were at home because my son was cooped up, and normally we take him to the park or do stuff like that. Uh, yeah. We realized that you know him just being on the phone is not going to do any good, right? And it's not going to kind of help. So that's where I had to kind of regularly, like, you know, take out time, pick buy a football. We'd play at home, much to my wife's dismay. So we'd have to like hide all the stuff that can break <laughs> in there. Uh, but we'd kind of play or like take him out on the cycle in there. Because I enjoy sports, right? And I didn't want him to feel that, you know, he cannot go out. And like, I keep bringing this up, right? Like last year, was wasn't easy for anyone to be cooped up at home. And we could rationalize things with the kids. It wasn't that easy. Right? Nadir?
0: Again, I think over here, I also sort of given to the societal trope of, you know, the father does the physical activities far more compared um, to the mother Um, but that's also because I have also been a pretty physical kid you know constantly playing and whether it's cricket football some sport or the other and because I I have a daughter I don't want to uh, create any distinction so I still I I play various sports so you know with a small ball I'll try and play cricket with her uh, with a big ball, obviously football or whatever, catch-catch, whatever that she's interested in. And I'm very proud of the fact that I taught my daughter how to catch a ball. My my uh, wife has a more intellectual bent even when it comes to playing, right? She wants my daughter to know certain definitions, whether it's words or colours or shapes or whatever it is, so even when they are playing, they try and, uh, she she tries to kind of push her on on, on that intellectual uh, aspect of things where she is required to remember certain things. So, even if you are going in the car, uh, you know, if, if if the speed limit is written on the signpost, you know, my, my daughter will recognize the number, but then my wife will explain to her, what is that number? Why is that number randomly there on the road? So, uh, I think she takes a slightly more intellectual Path, whereas I'm more on the slightly physical side of things where, I'm, where I teach how to do pull-ups you know lift your own body weight and things like that so yeah I, I, that's how we sort of you know segregate our playing style also.
2: So um, let me break it to you it's not a societal role that's biologically how you're programmed so it's not something that so this is what we've found across all cultures again is that fathers engage in a lot of what we call as rough and tumble play You know, the most famous sight of a father is the father throwing the child up in the air, right? And bringing it back, right? Which mothers freak out over, right? They say, How can you do this? And things like that, right? Now, so let me give you the reason for that is this because it is this kind of physical and rough and tumble play which increases the oxytocin level in fathers. And oxytocin is responsible for happiness right it is responsible for bringing happiness. in fact that's one of the reasons why which we could just immediately after take off is why we recommend a large amount more of paternal leave because the the fathers need to spend physical time doing this and what we found is this rough and tumble play when the child just let's say is just thrown up in the air and plays all of this. what the child what they found was that the children, who go through these kind of activities with the father learn risk identification much earlier. They are able to understand you know, how much I need to fall, where I need to fall, and how, right? Uh, they are able to un- they are more risk-taking. You know, in, in today's world, the ability to be able to take calculated risk is what defines success, right? They are able to take such kind of risks much quicker, right? And very importantly, what it does is it builds a certain high degree of trust that even if I fall, I have somebody who can take care of me. And trust is some of the, one of the most important things for any human child to really blossom or move <laughs> into the world. So in a way, it's an extremely and ex- really good thing. Please continue with this rough and tumble play It is something that defines you as fathers, and you must continue and encourage it even more. Yeah. I'm sorry, I I, I will become probably the uh, biggest uh, enemy in your wives' lives, you know, because (laughs) (laughs) I'm providing you with uh, information which may not sit too well with them. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm glad you brought this up, doctor, and I want to combine two
1: aspects to it, right? Because uh, you talked about. paternity leave and Nader and I did an entire episode on it. Right. And there are multiple ways you can look at it. I mean, one is, oh my God, you know, why do dads need so much leave? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, The other aspect is in companies. And that's what we noticed in our uh, research that we came across where there was paternity leave or just generally leave that's uh, available. Right people weren't taking it, because there was that kind of fear in there. And uh, let's not beat around the bush, right? At the end of the day, how many Indian dads can kind of go up to their boss and say, you know what, I want to spend six weeks, eight weeks, whatever time is there, and I'm going to take it for uh, because it's part of the thing, there's always that fear. There, There is always that kind of stereotype. So that's one aspect I want to talk to you about why dad should take the paternity leave. But the second aspect I want you to kind of look at is why it's important, right? Because those initial uh, time that you spend with your kid is very important. So what's the kind of impact that you have seen through research on dads being involved in there? right? We've always focused on just like the kids, but what's the impact that that happens on the dads? If you could kind of uh, talk about
2: that, that would be great. No, I think, uh, you know, to answer your first part, I think the simple answer is we all understand that there is in career, what we call is is well known as the motherhood penalty, right? Because we typically do see mothers, uh, you know, falling back in their career progression uh, once they become mothers and they lose those two to three years is typically the penalty, which, which, which. Uh, but. You know the thing is, obviously, that's a societal thing. Why people don't take leaves is because motherhood penalty is well accepted in the society. People do not. But you know, so just try and imagine uh, you at 40 or 45. Let's say work going to be the CEO of the company. But imagine if you remain as a vice president at 40, 45. That's a if you take that fatherhood penalty, which typically comes in, it's far more acceptable. For mothers, while it is not so uh, acceptable uh, for, for for fathers is how I look at it. But why they should, I think to answer you. So like I mentioned just um, a few minutes back, what we are seeing in research all across the world is that the father-child interaction is not unidirectional that means it's not just that the child benefits significantly from it the significant benefit that we are seeing even in the fathers comes biologically from one clear cut that is the oxytocin level going up which increases productivity right so actually if i if you were to walk in into your boss's office right if and he gets the feeling and the understanding that this person is definitely going to come back after those three or six months of paternity leave as a 10 times more productive person and will be able to do it much better, they will definitely be much happier to do it. This, this is a direct biological benefit that we are seeing. But the indirect biological, uh, indirect benefit that we are actually seeing is, so almost about 30% of fathers who were involved with their children, right? They. Left smoking, forty percent of the fathers left drinking during this point of time. As long as they were involved with their children, right? So that brings in a huge amount of health benefit for the for the uh, this for the for the uh, father, and which in fact uh, translates into significant benefit for the organization. And lastly, what we are seeing is the benefit around that. Uh, the retention of employees who have taken paternity leave is about three times more so those are the clear cut reasons why fathers do need to take the paternity leave and organizations do need to bring in far greater amount of paternity leave in fact uh, i think just about uh, a week back finland has uh, you know after based on all of this research has made 164 days uh, of paternity leave, compulsory for uh, both mothers and for fathers. Yeah, so that's that's also happening. But yeah, a lot of data has gone into showing that much higher productivity and much higher, uh, uh, much higher uh, happiness that we are seeing. And of course, the advantages for the children and the society. If I were to just talk about advantages for the children and the society in general, it'll take me another two episodes to do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. Doc, thank no. you so much. You've you've actually given us so much to think about, and as you rightly said, that we will need at least a couple more episodes to really get you know uh, you know down to this the whole aspect of parenting, looking at uh, from from a father's perspective. I mean, I wish we would have met you earlier in the initial episodes of Pops in a Pod. I think we would have set it up very nicely. But nevertheless, you know, we are glad that we've met you. Any last words or any last pointers that you want to um you know give to wrap up this whole aspect of you know how fatherhood being a dad is so crucial i mean yes we've spoken so much but if you had to just give a few parting thoughts uh what would those thoughts be
2: you know see as i said you know i try and say stay away from opinion and observations I'm a science guy. I try and talk science because I truly believe, like they say, you know, I mean, in God, I believe for everybody else, please provide data, right? Kind of a thing, right? There was a time, my parting sentence would be there was a time when uh, it used to be said that the best thing that a father could do uh, was to pamper and be nice to the mother, right? Uh, All science today has now shifted to this thing which says that at the If there is one greatest predictor of success of a child when the child is born, one greatest predictor, and this is scientifically true, that is that the child has two parents or not, and they have taken away all impact of uh, uh, you know, money that could happen. You know, economically deprived people obviously will not be successful. So they took away all those factors and they said, "What is that one thing which will predict success?" And that is, does this child have an involved father and mother? So, in fact, that those would be my parting thoughts and comments. Okay, and I know
1: we said those were your parting thoughts, but I'm sure everything that you've said has left people curious, they want to read more, watch more YouTube videos, listen to more of such kind of research that you've done, right? How can they find you? If you can just like drop a few links, that would be great. We also add it in the short notes, of course. Absolutely.
2: Now, so what I'm going to do is, um, if you guys are okay with this, Peter and Nadir, I will uh, send you the links to uh, three books which I feel that all fathers should read, right? And uh, these are not books about real parenting, saying, what is parenting? How should you parent? Because every parent is different. But this is about really the science that I spoke about. Uh, You know, so all the experiments and this thing, there are at least about 20 more experiments, which we could have spoken about, which we obviously constrained by time. Those three books is something that I would really encourage each one of you to read i don't want to give you links to much of these scientific articles because i think 9 out of 10 viewers will be lost while reading them you know if i tell you that the amygdala is uh, activated by in the fa- in the mother while the neocortex is activated in the father what does that mean is not going to be uh, exactly right so i would much rather put it down as uh, three books very beautifully very layman's language written uh, do read about it. And uh, I think how you can find me, I have my YouTube channel, which is called uh, Bamboo Tree Children's Foundation. It's a relatively new channel. We've uh, put in a lot of our research findings on that in shape of videos. Just the way uh, Peter and Nadir are talking to me, I talk to a number of uh, international experts on that. We are having uh, three or four. Um, you know, the interview has been done, we're just going to upload it over the next week or so more. Uh, so similar such things, please do look that up and if that helps, I think that'll be great.
0: Thank you so much uh, Dr. Kapoor uh, for spending uh, two hours almost with us on a on a Sunday. So uh, firstly, apologies to your wife, so please t- <laughs> do convey the same. <laughs> and um, you, you've given us so much to think about and We would love to have, um, you know, more such conversations uh, of different aspects of parenting and society and media in general. So uh, once again, thank you very much for this. And um, hopefully we'll we'll connect again. You know, Peter, this is the main reason I think we split this episode into two because there was so much of information that Dr. Rakesh was giving us that I think it would be um, injustice to bunk in all of that in just one episode. And uh, I think it made so much sense. And I'm glad we made this decision that, you know, we split into two parts. Totally.
1: You know, one thing I'm really glad that we did it because, you know, this episode is not just something that to be dads or recent dads will benefit from. Right. But also people who are like us, been dads for a while, they'll also learn something new and Yeah, that's something I guess we really enjoy doing at Pops in a Pod.
0: Absolutely. And on this note, let's hope that more such scientific discoveries or research on parenting, especially where fathers are concerned, takes place. And we get to hear it on Pops in a Pod so that we can share it with new parents, potential parents, and even older parents. I think even they should know about the science of dads. True. So as always,
1: you know, you can reach out to us at popsinapod at gmail.com. Visit our website, Popsinapod. If this is the first time you're listening to episodes, you know, welcome. And we've got 104 more episodes that you can definitely check out.
0: Thank you so much, guys, for being patient with us. And hopefully you took away something valuable from our discussion with Dr. Kapoor. So as usual, until next week, we will see you with another fresh episode so stay tuned see you
1: then